This is the Dear Warren Podcast. Welcome to the Dear Warren Podcast. If you're a new listener, we have discussions with interesting and wonderful people, and we share stories, parables, and principles that maybe one day get passed down to my son, Warren. And most importantly, we just try to have fun and hope you out there listening do too. For returning listeners, we want to thank you for tuning in, and we appreciate all of your support. Today's guest is my good friend, Karen Miller-Peterson. She is this podcast's first IBJJF, International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation, Black Belt Medalist Worlds. Was it Worlds? Masters. Masters Worlds. You can get into the definition of that (laughs) later. But she's the first one that we've had on the podcast with a a medal in that division. And owner of North-South Jiu-Jitsu in Montclair, New Jersey. Please welcome Karen. Hello, Eki. Welcome, Karen. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. And as Hobbs also greets you (laughs) and says that he's glad to have you here as well, too. And you're coming straight from a conditioning class as well, too. Yes. Correct? And in North-South Jiu-Jitsu, where you have had quite the journey, I would Mm -hmm. say all throughout the ranks from all the way, obviously, from white belt all the way to black belt. And probably a good lesson or maybe just a story for Warren is a little bit about that path coming up more for anyone listening and they want to get into martial arts um it could apply to jiu-jitsu it could apply to karate maybe I don't know why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about the journey how you started etc okay so I started jiu-jitsu I was just looking for something for self-defense maybe Um, But mostly I just like I like to exercise, but I hated to have to do it on my own. (laughs) So (laughs) I wanted something that I didn't have to make up. I didn't have to think about. Just go there, do it. And um, when I first checked out jujitsu, I was at an Alliance gym in Atlanta and I went in and there were no women in the room there were a bunch of big country Atlanta boys <laughs> and um, it looked really hard. It looked really challenging, but um, that was exciting, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I walked in, the guy at the desk was like, can I help you? And looked a little confused. You look confused? Yeah, and I think maybe he thought I was somebody's girlfriend or something. Oh, jeez. I got a story uh, to tell you about that. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm, I was interested in jujitsu. And he's like, oh, cool. And then he opened up. And I still, his name is Chris. He's a really nice guy. I still stay in touch with him through Facebook. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I watched it for a little bit. Then I tried a class. And, you know, didn't stop. <laughs> it just went from there. You caught the bug out yeah. of the gate. The little story I had with uh, the, the girlfriend thing, Jess and I were in CVS once, and um, she was wearing a jujitsu-like hoodie. Oh, God. Right? Um, and I'm standing next to her, and uh, the cashier, she actually goes, oh, so your boyfriend does jujitsu, oh, huh? of course. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and she just kind of rolled her eyes, and... 
and, and I just kind of smiled, just, yeah. just uh, you know, the little shaking, shaking the head of if you only knew, uh. if you only knew. yes. <laughs> and we're uh, in case we don't have visual yet. Maybe one day we'll have visuals and live streams. But we're both kind of like cringing at the <laughs> at that scenario, which I'm sure a good bunch of you probably are, uh, especially jujitsu couples. So yeah. So when you started out, uh, about what year was it? And was jiu-jitsu or mixed martial arts like really an in thing at the time? Or was it still one of those kind of like uh, just on the cusp of blowing I up? I think it was like sort of just on the cusp. It was in 2004 and I was 20 years mm. old. Um, so I think it was like... I mean, I, I, I don't remember what year, like, the mm-hmm. UFC started and stuff, but I think it was, like, starting to be a little bit more mainstream, yeah. and um, jiu-jitsu was, like, a little more, not quite mainstream yet, but a little more, like, available. Um, but I think it was really in, like, that first, like, six years or so that jiu-jitsu blew up a lot. Mm-hmm. So when you first uh, started doing it and you said you caught the bug, was it something where you felt that you you had it or that it factor from the start? Or was it something where it had to, you had to pretty much claw and scratch and... and oh, I definitely didn't ever feel like I had the it factor okay. with jujitsu at all. It <clears throat> For me, it felt like very hard for a long time. Like looking back it was probably like close to a year that I did it where I would go and feel like a lot of anxiety about going to class, like about rolling, about rolling with like some people. I still felt like a little bit afraid of it, but then there was like, I don't know if it was just like the time period of my life, but one day like, things just sort of clicked and I felt just a little less afraid, a little less anxious about it. And I was starting to like, uh, I would roll with guys who in the past had rolled with me and I know they were like toning it down a lot, but then I could see them start to be a little surprised and then they start going harder. And then uh, soon after that, I got my blue belt but I'd say that, like, all throughout jiu-jitsu, I, um, I've had those times of, like, not feeling like I have the it factor. I think everybody does. Like, I'm sure you do and Jess and anyone who's been doing it a long time, you always have those periods, you know? Where you just feel like it, it, well, at least for me, you just feel like you suck for yeah. whatever, for whatever. And you could, it, it doesn't even matter, like, if you've been doing it for six weeks, six months, six years, or ten years. Yeah. You just get that, like, oh, my God, nothing yeah, is you're just. Yeah, like, I don't know anything. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> and as you started to gain that confidence, and as you started to progress through the ranks um did you start competing out of the gate as well too or was that something that you also worked up to i did a naga um when i was a white belt and um there were two other women in the entire naga tournament Mm -hmm. and they both had a solid like 30 pounds on me and um did you get sandbagged No, I mean, we went all together because we're the only women, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, 
and uh and like they both beat me it was a very like overwhelming experience i um i got a takedown on one of them which was cool and i mean i don't it was so long ago i don't remember like how it went but but you probably remember just like the the yeah the nerves the like emotions of it and everything and um and then i like it sucked i felt like shit afterwards and but i still i wanted to try it again you know but um like the time that it was and like the region i lived in atlanta there just like wasn't a lot of jujitsu period in the Mm -hmm. southeast so my like options for tournaments were really limited so i would go to these nagas there'd be zero women my instructor at the time didn't want me to compete against men and so i just wouldn't and then in 2007 i did the worlds in uh in california and um this is as a blue belt I, I was a purple belt at that point. I was a pretty new purple belt. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to do it for, like, the challenge to, like, set up the goal, the training path and everything. And um, it was super terrifying. <laughs> and um, and it, I had two other women in my division. They both beat me. Um, but after that, I was like... I want to keep doing this. And then the next year, I had to wait until the next year until I had women to compete against. So I went back out to California. Mm-hmm. It was 2008. I did the Pan Ams. And um, that year, let's see. I So that year at the Pan Ams, the IBJJF Pan Ams, if you, you could not weigh in for your weight class, and you could still do the absolute. And I knew that I wasn't going to make my weight class, which was middleweight, mm-hmm. which I do now. Um, I knew I wasn't going to make it, but I was able to do the absolute anyway. Nice. And I got second place in the absolute. <clears throat> I actually had Beatrice Mosquita mm-hmm. in the final. And um, she uh said that i slammed her and i got disqualified oh no so but i was super pumped what, what for was that was it a legit place. slam though was she i just like lost my balance and uh, we fell. Okay. um and uh yeah she's sticking got... to that story folks yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> she i'm sure she has <laughs> no idea who i am now but um mm-hmm. but yeah so that was really exciting i got second place that year and then um, I did the Worlds a couple months later. I can't remember. I can't remember how I did. <laughs> but that, it, it just happens. It's yeah. probably a big blur yeah, at ever this since moment. Then, yeah, I've just tried to compete consistently. It sounded like a, a, a bit of a ramp up uh, immediately to that. Did you just have it in your mind that, okay, if I want to get good, I got to compete? Was it a competition bug? Do you, do you find, it, are you like a competitive person? Is that what it was? Or I think like I'm competitive, but more with myself than with other people, you know, like I, 
Um, I didn't like that I had felt afraid of it in the past and that it had made me anxious and emotional and I wanted to I wanted to have a different experience with it for myself. I wanted to like prove to myself that that I could push through all of that stuff. You know, like it's a competition for me has never really felt like proving that I'm the best to everyone. It's just like, I like the personal challenge of it. Do you think in today's jujitsu, um, not in jujitsu, but with today and social media and everyone with a camera and, and videoing everything and taking pictures and it's kind of immortalized on the internet forever as far as where you placed, how you did, pretty much every move you can make in a match. Do you think that kind of plays into people's, f- maybe not fears, maybe reservations of competing uh, just due to the fact that, oh my God, if I get blown out, it's going to be forever archived. Yeah, maybe. I think, <clears throat> I think no matter what the reason is that you compete, you can't help but, like, if you lose, you can't help but feel, like, some embarrassment, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, yeah, I could totally see that the way that, like, social media is now. It's interesting that you bring up a lot of the the when you go in and and, and you lose and you kind of have to pick yourself back up and keep on going because uh, due to a lot of social media or even movies, it's kind of like you see a lot of the end product all the time. And I think a lot of people are pressured into some type of uh, sense of perfection as you can mm-hmm. see it may it goes down even probably to like instagram photos where it's filtered and it just everything looks flawless so was it different at that time then was there um as far as what was your method if any if any to push through those as you said those times where oh man it 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 sucks or oh man i'm, I'm really sucking was was there any uh particular uh, method that you used or it just kind of that that was just part of your personality I think it it's just <clears throat> part of my personality to mm-hmm. just like be okay with like feeling like shit <laughs> you know <laughs> no um, it's and I mean I yeah I don't know I think like I just my method of getting through it is just like kind of moving on like put it keeping the work going like putting in all that hard work still getting back to it and just like I mean competition I tell everyone competitions like 80% mental and mm-hmm. 20% jujitsu you mm-hmm. know so it's really all about just that like mental fortitude in the tournament and and after you know um, to just keep pushing and keep working. And as you said, you started jiu-jitsu in your 20s, correct? Mm-hmm. So you can l- kind of like remember a little bit of life prior to jiu-jitsu. Um, and especially for, you can probably look back since uh, you do teach kids and you see them attempting to try out this wonderful art. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you could give some advice to a Warren, let's say he's trying out jiu-jitsu at 5, at 10, at 15 years old. Yeah. What are what are some of the the principles or um lessons that you pass down to any kid trying out something as like crazy as this sport? 
I think for kids, I just like try to try to move them to it just being fun, you know, like not have putting a lot of pressure on themselves or on the actual action of jujitsu because mm. it they're kids it should be fun <laughs> you know <laughs> what are some if you have any uh memories of uh, those high points of just fun with kids in jujitsu is there uh any rewarding moments or anything that stands out to you yeah it's rewarding every day just seeing like just kids get a little tougher you know like mm-hmm from jujitsu and working through their own emotions and you know we have every other class somebody gets upset like maybe they have a tough role with another kid and they get upset and we talk to them for a minute and then they might take the next round off Mm -hmm. but the one after that they'll come back and finish class you know i Mm -hmm. love those moments of just seeing the kids evolve and also just seeing them get better at jujitsu it's really exciting and as you pass on these lessons obviously you became an an instructor of the school after you became the black belt i think we had left off where uh, you were in purple belt worlds what can you describe a little bit of that last bit before if you uh, remember getting to black belt and what happened at that moment? Well, like seven years ago is when I moved up to New York Mm -hmm. and started training at clockwork. And that obviously was really memorable because it was a big change, but also it was like, like I came into clockwork as a brown belt and, um, I, I came in like without, the nerves and without the anxiety because I'd had experience in jujitsu. So it, it kind of felt, it felt really good to have had, have put that work in to get to a point where I could go to this new place and feel like I belonged there, you know, cause I wanted to be there and that, um, I was, you know, an addition to the place and uh and then just about a little over a year after i moved to new york um and started training with josh there is when i got my black belt what do you think it was do you think it was time do you think he just saw something as was it a certain amount of competitions was what do you think think it was it was just time and Mm -hmm. it's like adam and i have talked about this before now that we have our own gym that you know, when somebody new comes to your place, even if, you know, you can see that they're good right away or that they're a positive person to have in your space, you you want them to, like, really just be there for mm-hmm. a little while. And I think that's what it was, you know? Yeah. You just kind of already... It, it was probably already earned. It's just something where... Yeah, here's yeah. the we're going through a little bit of formalities. Totally. At at this point. And how's the feeling? Of getting my black belt? Everyone wants to know this feeling. <laughs> um it was really cool, but it was also I mean, I think it's hard to describe like it's just like a moment you're going to have for yourself. Like when I got my black belt, I 
didn't, I didn't feel like I knew that much, (laughs) you know, like I think like the nature of jujitsu, you never know everything and it's constantly evolving that like, I think, and I'm sure you've realized this too, is like the further along you get, you kind of see like the scope of what you don't know gets a little wider and it's all these like little like nuances and little details and stuff so it was really exciting because like that's what we're all working towards but it really did just feel like I was back at square one in a way almost like full circle maybe yeah yeah and kind of like a beginning of yet another journey, which was, of course, trying to compete at the black belt yeah. level as well, too. How, how did uh, those first few competitions um, at black belt, how did they go for you? Um, let's see. I think so. I think my first competition at black belt, I was actually unknowingly pregnant mm. um, and it didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> I Sorry. <laughs> like I was like very early on pregnant with mine and Adam's daughter Josephine mm-hmm. and I didn't know it and I remember like waking up that day and like the week before it actually like I would go to train and I would like lay on the mat and just be like why am I so fucking tired <laughs> like what's wrong with me And then, like, we're on our way to the tournament. I was like, I don't know what is going on with me today. Like, I do not feel, like, with it at all. And then I went out there and lost my first match. And I just felt like not, like, I just wasn't there. And then, um, and then a couple weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So it was, let's see. So... I competed then, and then it was probably, like, nearly two years until I competed a- again, I think. So, because I was pregnant, then had Josephine, and then, um, like, after she was born, I decided, like, Adam wanted to do the Worlds the that year, mm-hmm. and I decided that I wanted to do it, too that I I needed that goal for myself after Mm -hmm. having gone through pregnancy and childbirth and becoming a mom. So, and I also had like weight to lose and it was a good like goal to just start putting myself back together. So I did it and I had Michelle Nicolini, my first match, she decided to go up a few weight classes uh-huh. and she just murdered me so hard. Um, but, you know, I I felt okay about it. It always sucks to lose no mm-hmm. matter what, but I mostly just wanted to get there at that mm-hmm. point. And um, then it took a couple more... Um, I mean, honestly, it's all, it's hard to remember all the specifics, but it's definitely been sort of like an upward journey of competing at black belt because no matter how good you are in, in competing at brown and below, it's a completely different 
animal when you get to black, you know? Because they're all black belts. Now. Yeah. <laughs> it's no longer like a, a, a purple that should be a brown or a blue right. that should be a... It, it, it's just totally. all black belts. Nice. And you meddled. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> As I said, this podcast, first IBJJF black belt medalist. And you've had such uh, the journey and... I think there's a certain point, especially you've invested so much time, blood, sweat, and tears, that um, either along the journey or after um, the, let's say, pinnacle of a black belt, you've actually been sharing a lot of your thoughts about jiu-jitsu. You keep a blog. Yeah. Uh, what's the blog called, if you'd like to plug it? Jiu-jitsufeminist.wordpress.com. And why don't you describe a little bit to... Um, our listeners, what you, um, some matters that you focus on in it, uh, or whatever you'd like to. Um, I started it because I, uh, I've always liked to write. I went, um, to college. That was my major in college was literature with a concentration in creative writing. And, um, but like becoming a mother, it got harder to find the time to to work on that or have the space even. So I started the blog really just to kind of exercise that again. Mm -hmm. And I just write about what I feel like writing about. You know, sometimes it's jujitsu. Sometimes it's maybe like a social issue um or sometimes sometimes it's yeah it's usually just random and as you spread all of this awareness i recall from last podcast adam um was talking a, a bit about his reasons for um vegetarianism and 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 veganism and as i was asking some more he was he basically said talk to karen he's she's way smarter than than i am and and uh provides all that information uh to him well what are some things that you guys have shared that you'd like to share um with any listeners as far as to what you've been how how, how you're proving that you're smarter than him way smarter <laughs> quote him not me so I don't know that I'm smarter than him, or maybe he's just lazy and doesn't <laughs> want to talk about something. Um, well, so what? What do you? I think ask it was. It, I think it was. I think it was the focus on uh, going into uh, vegetarianism, or just being uh, kind of conscious with food mm -hmm. choices. Was there anything uh, particular that you felt passionate about, or um, something to? Bring across. To like make that choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I honestly, I never really have liked meat that much. Mm -hmm. um, I was vegetarian and vegan for years and years when I was younger. And then there was like four or five years <clears throat> in my 20s where I ate meat. And then um, uh, when Adam and I first started dating, he was actually vegetarian. Hmm. And I was eating meat, um, but he was vegetarian and ate, like, pizza and french fries. That counts, <laughs> um, right? Doesn't that count? <laughs> Come on. And, uh, and so, like, shortly after that, he started eating meat again. Um, and then after Josephine was born, like, I had just started kind of feeling 
turned off by meat mm. and i was thinking about not eating it just i was thinking about that on my own and and adam had apparently been thinking about that on his own too and one day like he said uh i think i want to stop eating meat and i was like i actually do too so we just stopped i think josephine was two months old or so um and we haven't eaten meat since and she's never had meat except hmm. one time as a in as a little baby she ate some dog food <laughs> out of the dog food bowl <laughs> um but i think like it's the reasons for it is a combination of just like not really wanting it and mm -hmm. also uh just feeling feeling some empathy for the animals and mm -hmm. the meat industry in the u.s and just just turned off by the whole thing you know was it also uh any focus on nutrition as well too um or is it more of a of a social thing i think adam said it was it was more of of a bit of you know just like a personal choice or, or yeah. were there any, nutri any it, nutritional benefits to it? it the nutritional side of it didn't really has never really been a thing um and i think like the nutritional aspect of how we eat is just us trying to eat healthy you know I was going over that a little bit with you prior to the podcast of um, how in Jersey City and especially around these areas where you can get like the, the quality of food has gone up where it's like $10 like a meal. Yeah. And it's always like it, it's, it's gotten to the point just like with social media where it's like expected to have like perfect photos whenever you post something in your yeah. profile pictures yeah. it's almost expected now that it's like every single restaurant that you you go to that you look up in your yelp reviews it's got to be five stars it's got to be yeah. oh has the best so-and-so ever and we went uh to it's a place called kava in jersey city and they, it was a it was pretty much uh, you know how in Chipotle you can build your own burrito? It's basically yeah. build your own salad uh -huh. as well, too. And and we were just commenting like, oh, my God, this is this is so good. <laughs> and uh, you hear about the food culture today where you can look on Netflix and you see something like a chef's table. You see something yeah. where it's the, the celebrityhood of just really good high-end food has kind of just permeated into everything. And it's kind of like there there's no room now for anything subpar there's no room now for anything uh like no room for error or mistakes and i think we were just talking about this prior of how that relates a little bit to um jiu-jitsu where how would you present um just that basic lesson that i'm sure all of us have have gotten as as kids of like it's okay to make mistakes, whether it be in jujitsu, whether it be, if you had to point that lesson to, uh, Warren, especially mm -hmm. knowing that probably in the, in the future world, it, it's kind of like, everything is like, mom, dad, what do I do? Everything, everybody yeah. is so, everybody seems to be so perfect. Yeah. How do I, how it, did you ever have to confront, confront that with Josephine or? Um, not yet, but it, I do think about that sometimes and just how like, <clears throat> how like as a kid I, th I think it's hard not to sort of be influenced by that when you're a kid because you just don't 
you just don't have enough life experience uh-huh. to know otherwise. But like, it's it's so it gets so different when you're an adult. You don't give a shit about celebrities or like, <laughs> you know, what your hair looks like as much or whatever. But I honestly, I don't know what I would say to Warren or to Josephine. It's like almost too much to think about it is (laughs) you know it's really things change so fast too yeah totally like when they're in 10 years their life is going to be so different than it is now um so honestly i don't i don't know yeah it's it's crazy though because i don't know that 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 the answer to that either and i'm pretty sure everyone was like who's listening oh yeah we're gonna get the answer finally well no Things move too fast, people. Just yeah. uh, what was it? It, it it's it was it was, uh, and I'm dating myself here. It was MySpace. What ten years ago? Then it, yeah. then it's now to Facebook. Who knows what it's going to move on to yeah. next year? And it brings me back to what Adam was mentioning about Josephine, where he was like, he's he's confused. I'm confused too. I'm sure you're confused that uh, she's uh, enamored by unboxing videos, right? Yeah. Like what? Like <laughs> what? <laughs> or uh, uh, one of our other guests. Uh, Jason, his his son likes watching Twitch TV and watching other kids play video yeah. games mm-hmm. and getting their reaction to that. So, do you have you have you ever watched any of that? Do you understand any of that, or I've have watched you tried to a little bit of it? I think that it's like I think all those videos. It's it's for them. It's just like very instant indulgence. Mm. You know, like just seeing like. There's a toy in this box. There it is. <laughs> oh my God, look at that. You know, I really think it's just that. And it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's nuts because what, what do you think, if you had to predict, I don't know, if you had to predict what would be the next crazy thing that you think a, a, a kid will do, or you already trying to, or you probably already see the trend. You can be like, oh, I think, I think it's going to start going oh, towards gosh, this. I don't what know. Do you think? I have no idea. It scares me so much. I just always expect the worst. So here's the other question. And cause I also asked Adam this as well too. What age do you think uh, you'll allow Josephine or I'm asking myself, what age should I allow Warren to have a cell phone? Yeah, I don't know because like now it's very it's very young. Like kids get cell phones when they're like nine. Wait, you nine? Know? Yeah, very young. What and is that? That's that's third or second grade. That's like yeah, third grade, I think. Why does a parent, dude? Any parents, please comment in. Why does your kid need a a phone in in third grade? I don't know. I think that like it's. I think for a lot of parents, it's like safety, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you mean like, the, like the stalker app, the the find my friends, able, see where they are. Yeah, no. to like <laughs> be able to like be in touch with their kids. I don't know, but you know, by the time by the time they're at that age, where it's like head. maybe yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be like in their eyeballs or something. It's it's crazy because we were even talking about it before where. Uh, we we made the joke prior to the podcast. If something goes uh, uh, wrong ten years from now, it's like oh, you can try and delete it, but everything everything just gets remembered yeah. on, on the internet, and it's so totally um, just immortalized in a sense. It's scary almost. And I remember when uh, Adam was coming on, and he 
was talking sorry talking to my parents were here we have a little <laughs> bit of an outline of what is going on when adam was talking about just uh that he was a little nervous coming on and he was saying that this is something where oh it's just a, a, a discussion almost yeah. like you're talking on the phone and you're and you just keep going and going yeah but it's also he probably had the nerves i know i do every anytime i'm i'm on of well this is going to be somewhat archive almost like a even though it is cool in the concept I, at least I think it is. You people may, may think it is, too. I hope, I hope you think this is cool. Of kind of like a time capsule for Warren of all yeah. these things that we are mentioning, whether it be cell phones or, like I said, dating myself with MySpace, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Do you still have a MySpace page? No. <laughs> I bet you it's still there. If I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, there, was, there was another thing that I remember reading on your blog, or it was, it was something where you had, you had mentioned that you had recently saw Wonder Woman. Yes. I had also recently saw Wonder Woman as well, too. I would like to hear your opinion on it or whatever you'd like to discuss before I offer my uh, comic book nerdy critique <laughs> of said movie. Okay. Um, I was pretty disappointed by Wonder Woman. I think, I think that, like, if it hadn't gotten hyped up as this, like, incredible feminist masterpiece, like, the first feminist superhero movie, all this, all of that hype, then, like, if they, it had just been another superhero movie, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have cared as much, but... Oh, you gave into the hype? I mean, I just <laughs> expected more, you know? Mm -hmm. I expected better with all that hype, but I was pretty disappointed and frustrated with a lot of it what was there anything that uh it, spe specifically that you were kind of like ah this is what i'm disappointed about i felt like <clears throat> like uh her personality had that sort of like childish innocence that like mm. a lot of like grown female characters are supposed to are, have in movies nowadays where it's like she's a grown woman but she's so innocent she doesn't know anything you know and mm -hmm. she kind of had that where she's like she's wonder woman she's amazing but she's also so helpless you know and um that was annoying and like as soon as chris pine's character shows up which one's Chris Pine's character? The guy. Oh, the dude. Spy. <laughs> yes. Um, and like there, she walks in on him in that little bath and like makes the comment about his penis. And it was just like, that just made me cringe. Like mm -hmm. she's, you know, she knows nothing about penises, but knows that his is really big, mm -hmm. you know? And I think he was making the joke that I'm above average or something like that. Yeah, I think that's she what they said, were trying to do. Is, is, are you like normal for most men or something? It's like, oh, I'd say above average. Like, it was just so ridiculous. And, and then, like, I mean, there were moments where, you know, she was this smart and powerful woman. Like, I think in one part, she, she had to translate some language and she knows like hundreds Sumerian, of languages. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. She knows like every language or something. So she saves the day and translates it. But those little moments that you just felt like, like pandering to yeah. women, you know, that it wasn't 
like here we'll throw you a bone she look she's smart (laughs) you know um and i mean it was the script was written by men and Mm -hmm. it it showed to me was there any specific example where you're just like oh the the penis yeah that part yeah and just like her being this like helpless innocent child but also sexy and beautiful and you know do you think they tried to capture too many things like trying to encompass especially since uh what is it no actually no it's not marvel it's, it's dc but then again it is a summer blockbuster i think it was a summer block they, do you think they just tried to hit too many points at once i don't know maybe and maybe like they just maybe they thought they were getting it really right but they just didn't know any better who knows i don't know but is there any example of of a movie or any media or any series where you think they did it uh, maybe not right but a lot better than what wonder woman was there's doing? a movie i don't know if it's still out but um did you guys see atomic blonde no. With Charlize Theron. I'm going to have to go onto my uh, friend's uh, Plex server and, and uh, pull it down. Yeah. So, <laughs> it was awesome, you're, you're, though. That, that, that's, an, that's another movie recommendation from you, so I'm going to have to uh, look, look into it. But no, go on. It, it was awesome. Like, um, And I heard Charlize Theron in an interview before it where like they were asking how she like physically prepared for the movie, and she was saying she worked really hard. And she said, like, I didn't want it to be this movie where people watch it and they say, like, she would never be able to do that, mm-hmm. you know? And and that really showed in the movie. Like, um, she was very, like, solid, very strong. And the action was really good. The fighting was really good. And it wasn't that kind of, like, movie fighting where it's these, like, fancy like kicks and punches it's like they're just like beating the shit out of each other and she's like getting hurt she's getting like messed up but it it was it was good do you think it, it was your uh you saying that yeah this is good they're getting the shit beat be, uh beat out of each other do you think it's because of your knowledge in martial arts and you can kind of like you know what is like kind of like a choreographed martial arts scene versus like wow they really paid attention to this and that. Yeah, I think maybe like knowing jujitsu, it makes you notice like the if it's realistic mm-hmm. looking, you know. What's what's the most uh, ridiculous thing you saw like ever in any type of martial arts movie or, or a martial arts team where you're just like, oh god, no, 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 that, oh, that doesn't god, work. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I think it was a, it was the Steven Seagal Adam's apple pull or somewhere in like in, in like undersea. Well, I'm sure it can happen, but yeah, it's a little over the top there, Steven yeah. Seagal. You didn't have to you didn't have to do that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so going back to Wonder Woman, I'm going to preface what what my opinion on it yeah. with. I feel that a lot of superhero movies uh, that have been released lately, um, they they are actually. Um, outdated in the form of the way they're presented, especially with uh, the introduction of uh, episodic TV, uh-huh. where you get to see things like an Arrow or a Daredevil or a Jessica Jones or mm-hmm. a Flash 
over the course of seasons. So you can really take a long time as opposed yeah. to that hour and a half, two hours. I, I forgot how long the, the movie was for Wonder Woman. Very, you know, beautifully done. I, I actually enjoyed a lot of the, the fight scenes where uh, uh, the stunts that they pulled off, the Amazons on the horses. Oh, the the first like 15, 20 minutes of the movie was the best part when they're on the island with the Amazons. Like that was really cool. And then there was uh, uh, Claire from House of Cards. Yeah, Robin, right? As soon as I saw I'm like, oh my God, I, know. I please don't. Oh, Princess Well, Butter spoilers. Uh, sorry, but yeah, spoilers. She dies, but <laughs> oh my God. Everyone just shut off the podcast right now. Hey, everyone who's still listening. <laughs> but yeah, uh, was there any particular scene in there that uh, you en- enjoyed or a particular stunt that, that they did? Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed the whole part on the island because mm-hmm. I love Robin Wright also. And they had like, it, it was funny, like all my, my qualms with the movie and with like the portrayal of wonder woman, they also had like, as the extras, the Amazon extras, they had a lot of like badass female athletes who mm-hmm. were jacked and could actually like, do these things you know and that was super cool but it was also the first 15 minutes of the movie and that was it you know (laughs) it and i think that's what a lot of superhero movies like get like wrong like they'll have that badass action uh, action scene in the beginning for as you said 15 minutes they'll try to sustain it and then it's just kind of like all right here we go long plot development lots of exposition lots of exposition i'm I'm pushing out my glasses right now folks um (laughs) the so so what was i talking oh yeah uh episodic tv where where you get to have like at least like uh 10 episodes and i think flash has like 20 something episodes Mm. where you could really develop the character um of the the movie especially someone like a wonder woman i would think maybe if she had her own series it would would probably yeah uh, show show a, a lot more than what was um, they wanted to package within yeah. within an hour and a half. The the other thing was I got I got to correct that. I think the the only uh, superhero movie that I actually enjoyed within the past uh, few years and people love it or hate it, but I, I really enjoyed Deadpool. So yeah, I like you... Deadpool too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't see it with your kids, folks. More, and you're not going to be able to watch that for a little while. <laughs> but I thought it was a, a prime example of what you can do with uh, I think it was Ryan Reynolds. I, yeah, and I read. They spent only fifty-eight million, and they grossed like eight hundred plus million Jesus. on that. And there's actually uh, so. My only complaint about that is that a lot of the the jokes, as dirty and as foul as they were, came way too fast. It was just like yeah. action, 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 joke, 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 <laughs> and, and oh man. But the one part that I did really enjoy about uh, Wonder Woman where it was there was a scene in there that uh, I think a lot of other superhero movies attempt to try and bring. Uh, to light is that when you read comics and you, and you think about superheroes, you think about them bringing down like the final boss, whoever it, mm-hmm. it may be. And she was uh, so convinced that the, that general guy was the source Ares, of all evil. Yeah. Yeah. She, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. She, she was so convinced that he was Ares and that if you, as long as the hero defeats the, 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 the boss at the end of the game, it's in video game culture. It's in a lot of, um, uh, stories as well too. Well, it's in a lot of not as well developed stories. Where if you, if you, as long as you beat this final thing, yeah. 
everything is happily ever after. Exactly. And and as you saw, like, uh, she 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 stabs him. He's dead. And then all of a sudden looks around and like everyone is 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 still fighting. And and just kind of like that moment where uh, they they set the mood. It was it was like the realization that hey. Uh, the the thing that is the most evil in the world or the the biggest problem if you think it's going to be solved in one grand gesture and Mm -hmm. it's just one thing that you have to take out yeah probably not going to happen so i thought that that was an interesting thing but then they ruined it i personally felt they ruined it because then she beats aries and then and (laughs) and the movie's all happily ever after It was interesting when you were talking about the uh, specific types of um, the builds of the Amazons and, and the mm-hmm. extras as, as, the, as the athletic ones. I remember there was one that they did the slow bullet time and she jumped off the shield or yeah. something and did like a, a triple shot. Yeah. That um, you would actually uh, send a link to us, uh, to, to Jess and I, about Gabby Garcia. Yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the link was, what was it? She was supposedly interested in, yeah, it wasn't much of a story, but just that she was like, yeah, I'd totally do like pro wrestling, Mm -hmm. you know, she's like, call me. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that would be, I want that to happen just so I can get you back on the podcast (laughs) and, and we can, we can talk about professional wrestling with, um, especially the women's division in uh, the, the biggest professional uh, wrestling market in the world, WWE. A lot of people rolling their eyes right now. Hey, hear me <laughs> out on, on, this, on this part. You, you talk about, as, as, as you were, like specific builds of women. They have the range of everyone, every yeah. single personality type, every single type of... And of course, they play on stereotypes and tropes, but then they all kind of blend together yeah. in, in, a, in, a, in a wonderful storyline. <laughs> And it's gotten to the point where um, if you've listened to one of the previous uh, podcasts more, um, on Warren's Announce Table, we, Jess and I were talking uh, about one of the events and just got uh, deep into the women's division in the past and how it was kind of like, yeah, that's just what it was back in the era of Shock TV and Howard Stern of like, you know, um, mud wrestling matches, et cetera, right. et cetera. And the progression that it has into to to now, where actually like the women are main eventing and stealing the show, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if you ever saw uh, that Netflix uh, series. Was it Glow? Glow, yeah. Were you able awesome. to watch all of it? Uh-huh. I loved it. Well, was there anything uh, particular that uh, stood out to you? That I like, you know, just like Wonder Woman, you could kind of tell that it was written by men. Um, I, I mean, I honestly, I don't know who wrote glow, but mm-hmm. I just thought like all the women were like very like realistic women. They were like going through things women go through and especially back in the, what I think that was set back in the eighties. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and they wanted, I just from jujitsu, I think I could, like i really appreciated when uh the, like the main character i can't remember her name but when she she's real like skinny the russian that she, i know she yeah, played the yeah. russian of it. <laughs> she like has a hard time at first but something about it she mm-hmm. just really loves and she loves like the physical part of it and mm-hmm. she loves how hard it is and um that was you know just reminded me of jujitsu and mm-hmm. i think 
it, it was just nice to see this story about women going going through all that, you know? And succeeding at, at the very end. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to, to bring up about that is that, as you were mentioning with um, uh, Gabby Garcia, she is a uh, uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu. In which division? Um, she now is in the... I mean, I, I think they go up to, like, super heavy for mm-hmm. women. She's in the, she's in the heaviest. Mm-hmm. She's a big girl. And so there was there's, like, a specific build where... Um, you would expect at least this is how professional wrestling does it. Usually with, uh, the, the giants and the brawlers, they kind of always put them into kind of like the bad guy role. Uh-huh. And what happens is that they actually, you kind of get like, uh, uh, the, the, the upside versus the downside. They actually will have, there's a, a another women's wrestler. Her name is, I think her name is Piper Niven. I, I forgot what it was, but she is like the good, uh, uh-huh. just like Machu Picchu. In, yeah, in, in yeah. Glow. there's uh-huh. the good there's the good version of that okay. so you see it versus like like the bad one and i and I, again i'm really hoping that gabby get, gets signed so you can kind of like <laughs> see that just this circus of yeah, personalities go, go through and then you can roll your eyes at some of the things that are obviously as you said unfortunately there's, there's still things that uh more like pandering and everything yeah. but a lot of the times the 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 physicality um mm. starts to outgrow a lot of that oh that was the other thing i wanted to 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 ask you about there was uh, a post you were uh putting today a a little bit about uh strength and condition or was it muscle mass i forgot what it was yeah on my instagram so i'm studying for a personal training certification um and it was uh, the chapter i was reading today was about um, like the physical adaptations to resistance training. And it was saying how, you know, gender plays a role or sex plays a role in muscle mass development and everything. And, um, and it talks about hormones and the difference in muscle mass and men and women and stuff. But ultimately it said that if you take like, you know, there's the fat mass part of the body and there's the fat free mass part of the body, which is the muscles, the tendons, um, the bones. If you take that fat free mass, Mm -hmm. you take the muscles, um, like pound for pound, a man's muscles and a woman's muscles have the same potential for creating force, Mm -hmm. you know, that, um, there's nothing, there's nothing different about my muscles and your muscles. Mm-hmm. The difference is just that our sizes are different. You have more testosterone, so you can build more muscle better than I can. But that ultimately, like, our, our muscles have the same potential. Is there a difference? And I'm actually asking you because it's great that you're studying it. Because I actually started re, uh, uh, about a year ago. I started getting very interested in bodybuilding and reading mm-hmm. about that. Is there uh, you? I think it's the trope that you um, that I read about on the internet. So it must be true it, <laughs> that bodybuilders they build that mass of the muscle, but it doesn't have um, the the function. It, it, it's quote not as strong or doesn't have like the functional capacity of let's say. Um, uh, like like a Bruce Lee or uh-huh. a, or a CrossFitter, as uh, if people watch that documentary, uh, fittest on yeah. the planet, fittest on the earth. Yeah. The... Is is there is there uh, 
uh, science behind that as far as so like a bodybuilder muscle versus... It's not that like bodybuilders' muscles aren't strong, like muscles are strong, you know, but um, like if a bodybuilder went and tried to do CrossFit, they're the amount of power that they could create wouldn't be as much as a CrossFitter because like, I mean, really it's just, you get good at what you train at, you know? So these bodybuilders can move a lot of weight, but can they do all this other stuff? No, cause they don't train in it. But mm-hmm. that, that idea that like their muscles aren't, strong isn't true Mm -hmm. it's just that they don't train necessarily for power they train to just get bigger muscles is that why you kind of see like a a bodybuilder where you see like ripped muscles and and shredded versus let's say a power lifter where they they kind of just look like they look like soft sometimes yeah and they look they kind of look like just bears i think i think that's the best way i I, I can put it (laughs) as far as their their bill they just look like if i if i threw a cannonball at you like it wouldn't even like make a dent yeah like kind of like that is totally excuse me is is there um a difference in the way that um the bodybuilder muscle is composed versus the way a power lifter uh muscle is composed or um well So bodybuilders, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about bodybuilding, but uh, like they train to make every muscle as big as they can get it, Mm -hmm. you know? Aesthetics? Yeah. So it's a little more like, uh, but like powerlifting or let's say jujitsu or something, like when you're training, you are like your muscles your muscles getting stronger is almost like an accessory fact, Mm -hmm. you know, like what is happening like that is all is like kind of more important is that the, your body is making these neurological adaptations to start connecting all these different muscle groups and getting more and more muscle groups to fire. So like, uh, you know, somebody doing jujitsu there they might be able to like do something they might be able to move a lot of weight and they're gonna do it faster mm-hmm. and they're um than like a bodybuilder because it's all of these different muscle groups that are firing all together to create a lot of power, you know? So it's a different type of functionality. In, yeah. In, in, in other it's words. It's just function, really. What do you say to that? Um, you hear that principle, oh, uh, in, in, in jiu-jitsu, uh, especially no strength or something. I remember like some, oh, no strength, oh, no strength. Oh, I hate that. It drives me crazy. <laughs> Please go on. So, I mean, you can't do jiu-jitsu without using strength. And... I feel like it's almost like this gimmick to like... Like a selling point? Yeah, like... The soft art. Because, I mean, they did it to me. Like, you know, coming into jiu-jitsu, you don't have to be bigger. You don't have to be stronger. It's technique. It's the technique that makes you better, which in a way is true. But also, like, when I roll with you or I roll with Adam... I'm using a lot of fucking strength, you know, or if I roll with Q 
Keon or one of those guys at our gym who's 200 plus pounds or Mario. We got some big boys I'm, in our gym. Yeah, I'm going to be using a lot of strength. It's mm-hmm. not just this like magical technique that I have. I have to also be very strong, you know? Um, and that like idea, like <sighs> telling somebody not to use strength, I think is a really bad idea. I think that what they probably mean to tell somebody is control yourself or something, you know, like control yourself, slow yourself down, you're not actually doing jujitsu. You're just going crazy. Spazzing <laughs> you around. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they say like, no strength, no strength. And I mean, then there's also the aspect of like no strength and training with women that drives me crazy. Also, like, um, you know, you hear a lot like men, like men being told like are thinking like, don't use a lot of strength with this person because they're a woman. Take you know? it easy. Yeah, take it easy. But Those three words that I'm sure you love to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but Go on. That's, like, that's bullshit. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't just start and end with, how you train with women. Like if somebody comes into your gym and they're brand new, you should pull, pull back. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody, if you're training with somebody who you weigh 80 pounds more than you should pull back, Mm -hmm. you know, you should pull the intensity back, whether they're a man or a woman, you know, like jujitsu, as you get better, that, is definitely something you have to develop is knowing how to train with all different people. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to train the same way with every single person. And, um, but this huge focus gets put on like how men should train with women. And it just creates this dynamic of like the women needing, your help, you know, like they need, they need extra from everybody, but they don't. Women who come in and do jujitsu and if they stick with jujitsu, they do it for the same reasons that everyone else does, you know, and they should be treated just like everybody else as far as training partners, Mm. you know? Um, So yeah, all in all, the no strength thing <laughs> drives me crazy. <laughs> <coughs> are there are there any other tropes or of the kind of like the marketing that they do in jujitsu that kind of get on your nerves? Or is, is that pretty much just like the big one where you're just like, ah? Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's pretty, I'm, that's all I can think of right now. Was that trope as far as like, okay, there is, I've, I've gotten as much technique as possible. Um, now I do need to not i wouldn't say get just like pure stronger but more like overall body functional strength was that the uh one of the reasons going into crossfit um yeah it's all i for me it was but also it's you know i do i've been doing jujitsu for a long time and i do it a lot Mm -hmm. so i 
I do it. I do CrossFit also for just to have like another thing, you know, that like I enjoy. There's no pressure on it. It makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And it has the added benefit of making me be able to do jujitsu better and longer and yeah. it was another challenge yeah in a sense yeah are there any other challenges that you've you've decided to or not maybe not decided but are thinking about or have had ideas about hey you know maybe one day i'll i'll start going down this path i think adam was talking about going down like learning learning a new language or, yeah. or something is there any uh particular thing that you were j- just past your mind every once in a while or you think everything is you got enough on your plate already. I don't know. I mean, before I got pregnant, I kind of wanted to do MMA. I thought about that mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but then I got pregnant and now I'm in my 30s and it just feels like it's too late <laughs> for for me for that, um, which is fine. But, um, but also, like, I decided to... Um, get this personal training certification um, because, <clears throat> because I find all this stuff really interesting, just how the body works and mm-hmm. also just in the like limited amount of learning that I've done just on my own about how jujitsu affects our bodies when we're doing so much jujitsu. Um, and now especially that we own our own gym, I wanted to get this certification and and then continue learning um, just for like the the health of our members if they and the being a resource for all that stuff. For are, you, are, are you using us as guinea pigs for your strength <laughs> programs? Because I, I can tell you right now, I don't like sprawls. I don't like Karen sprawls. What is it? 10 a piece, 20 people in class. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's obvious that you have a, a lot of passion for training, um, mm-hmm. a lot of passion for jujitsu and for family and life. But it, there is something to, to be said about uh, your, um, as you overcame everything, you, as you said, you had to do it as uh, a woman, especially going through white belt all the way to black belt, which I'm sure you've had plenty of stories of the hardships of that which is different than um, a lot of other people's paths. Um, obviously, in the, in this climate, I think the the biggest cultural thing that that's been having that's been happening today is uh, with that whole Harvey Weinstein um, scandal. Uh, what do you, if you want to talk about anything as far as um, your particular hardships um, in going up through the ranks in jujitsu or anything else that kind of comes to mind? Yeah, I mean. I think that, like, the whole thing with Harvey Weinstein, I think, like, every woman in the country just probably, like, sighed or rolled her eyes um, because it's, uh, like, like, all those stories are just sort of, like, everyday things that happen to women, you know? And I, I saw something somebody posted recently. They were, like you know, this, this stuff starts happening when you're so young as a, as a girl, you know? And I, I remembered being like 12 years old and being at the movies with a friend of mine. And this dude 
coming up to us who was probably like 25 years old and we were 12 we were like 12 and we were very clearly around that age you know Uh and um he was like asking if we knew like where a party was and i mean it was like seven (laughs) o'clock we were going to see a movie i had braces you know and um it it just starts so young, all those little like weird things that happen and the just feeling like everyone is looking at you and then like you get you get older and and then like people start talking more, people are looking at you more. I don't know, it's it I think with all that stuff with Harvey Weinstein, every woman just was like yeah Uh and you see it with all the celebrities coming out like every female celebrity is like yeah when i was 16 this happened when i was 14 this happened you know it's just something that it's like in ingrained in our lives and we just like to keep living and to keep moving you most of the time you just have to like suck it up you know and as you are a, a female jiu-jitsu black belt and you do have all these, obviously all these killer skills and everything i think there was there was something at a point where you said that even with all of that it's still i wouldn't, I wouldn't say it didn't change anything it, it just kind of like the stuff still just happens yeah i mean it doesn't it doesn't really protect you from that stuff still happening you know and then like I think like doing jujitsu and being a woman I'm definitely a lot less afraid than a woman who doesn't train in something but that can also mean that like yeah maybe I'm not as afraid and maybe I'm more outspoken maybe I yell maybe I get physical but Every time that I do that, it's it's opening up the a greater chance for like violence on me, you know. Um, like I in my blog post about it, there I told some stories about stuff happening, and I re- I hadn't thought about this in so long, but I was a purple belt in jujitsu at the time. I was walking through. Uh, downtown Atlanta going to class in college and this man was walking behind me and is like saying stuff starts saying stuff about my ass like just being like really gross and um and it just pissed me off so much I was like man shut the fuck up and he goes what I was like shut the fuck up leave me alone and um and he go, he was like, I can't say something nice about you, blah, blah, blah. Like, starts going on, getting more and more worked up, yelling. And um, and he goes, I ought to slap the shit out of you, you fucking bitch. And, um, and he was a big dude, and he was clearly, like, he looked like maybe, like, a carpenter or a construction worker. Like, I've... I've some sort of labor who is going to be a strong person. He was, you know, probably his way over six feet tall. Like he could have, he could have slapped the shit out of me, but 
because of jujitsu, I really just felt angry. I didn't feel scared. And I was like, then come here and slap the shit out of me. I yelled that at him. And at that point, like people were walking around also and this like old a little bit older man he stopped and was watching us and I looked at him and like made eye contact with him and he looked really freaked out but he was just standing there and then I was sort of just like it snapped me out of it and I was like this is crazy and I just kept walking you know and so it's just an example of like yeah, I do jujitsu and I could defend myself. And, you know, there's people always ask like, well, why didn't she say no? Why didn't she like get out of there? Because when you do, you run that risk of somebody saying, you know, beating you up, you know? And you hear stories all the time of like women getting shot for, you know, I think last year a girl in Brooklyn was at like an outdoor concert and this kid like came up and was dancing on her and she didn't like it and she pushed him away and he shot her, you know? So like, why didn't she say anything? Why didn't she do anything? Because who knows what is going to happen next, you know? Mm-hmm. And also it's just like, it's so common that, you just like you go through it so much like once you are an adult woman you've been through it so much that you just want to move on with your day you know so you just kind of keep moving what do you think as far as do you think it's a cultural thing do you think there has to be some type of uh, uh, a cultural shift what do you think like if there were if there was something where you had to obviously in a, in a crazy turbulent world where if you had to talk to a Josephine or you had, or you had to uh, talk to a Warren and eventually introduce something like this to them, how do you think you would present it? I think, I mean, I've actually already talked to Josephine a little bit about stuff like this, just kind of barely touched on it because she's still really young. I don't want to like totally scar her (laughs) you know um but i i think like i'm just gonna be honest that there's bad people in the world and that you know you never i don't know you never know what other people are gonna do and i think like probably what i would say to josephine is different than what you'd say to Warren because they're a girl and a boy and like maybe for Warren, obviously with a mom like Jess and, and you, but, um, like he's, he's going to have like a good start with these sorts of topics is just like teaching him from a young age, the right way to act, I guess, you know, he'll be able to listen to this and hear you talk about it. (laughs) Serious. Another reason why 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 I do these things. I don't know. I I think like as far as all that stuff goes, you know, it didn't. Jujitsu for me wasn't free of all of that stuff. I had plenty of really horrible interactions with men over the years. 
so I guess like for now it feels like I mean now it feels really good to have my own gym with Adam and a place where like these things that I went through aren't just it's not going to be the space where that stuff is going to happen you know or if it happens it's like Adam and I can take care of it I mean there were plenty of things that happened years ago in jujitsu where like I was left to kind of deal with it myself I never really felt like you know I had my instructor or anybody else there that would kind of like step in in any of those moments and now that's not the case with our gym um so that like there's this sort of like catharsis with that like having our own gym now and just being able to create this very different place for women and for and for men who come and train with us Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah and this is your school and you get to apply your teachings and, and 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 the structure of how you would teach class or how you would start building up a student and building their mm. game and establishing their um, confidence. And I remember when you were promoting uh, Jess to Brown Belt that uh, you had a beautiful speech for her. And there, was a, and there was a line in there where you said that it's not all about, you know, tapping someone out. Yeah. Um, what, would you, what would you kind of say is your philosophy or what you try to pass down to um your students especially one like like uh a jess or any woman or is there some kind of like overall like philosophy that you try to adhere to i i always try to be like very honest about what doing jujitsu is gonna mean for somebody like and <clears throat> Like, I said that when talking about Jess, because she's a really good example of this. And so is Adam. Like, you guys talked about it with him, too, where, like, he just always had that, like, very, like, gritty, hardworking, grinding um, approach to jujitsu because jujitsu is really hard you know like there's not a moment of it that isn't really hard even when you're training and you're you know getting all the good positions you're getting submissions it's still really hard fucking work to get it all you know um and so i sort of like we were talking about before about the like no strength gimmick i go like to the other end of the spectrum with with that like when people come in and they really like they're staying with jujitsu they love it they want to do it for a long time then like I start telling them you know this is gonna be hard (laughs) you know it's Mm -hmm. gonna be hard and you're gonna feel like a loser (laughs) a lot and those moments where you feel like you're improving and you're doing really good, they're going to be really short compared to those moments where 
it feels super, super hard and mm. you feel like you suck, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, not, that's not exactly how I say it to everyone all the time, of but I really just try to be honest about it, that there's not these gimmicks to it where like, you know, you don't have to be stronger. You don't like, I don't know. It's, it's just hard. <laughs> and to kind of wrap it up, I think that's such a appropriate word to describe you and your approach, which is honesty and honest. <laughs> which is which is a, which is something that, uh, this this world could use a little bit more of, mm. and um, for you, Warren, that's probably a, a virtue for you to uphold as well too. So um, I want to thank you, Karen. For, uh, thanks, Aki. And hopefully one day we can have you back on again soon. Yeah. And thank you to everyone for listening. And this has been Dear Warren Podcast with Karen Miller. Patterson. Peterson. <laughs>